Good morning, saints. I want to share some thoughts this morning about um, some big lies that are out there that could be affecting your life and other people's lives if they have adopted these lies into their thinking. Three huge lies out there um, about a, a view of the law, a definition of grace, and a theory about aliens. And it actually has, it all actually uh, has some kind of common denominator there because all these lies, this view of the law, this definition of grace, and this theory of aliens is from the darkness and it is designed to destroy simple faith in Jesus. That's the goal of the lie, to destroy simple faith in Jesus. We took uh, our two sons, Jake and Kobe, to see Spider-Man yesterday, and a uh, really cool movie. Uh, and uh, the, and near the beginning of the movie, there was a scene where, where uh, Peter Parker finds his dad's glasses. His dad died in a tragic accident, and um, so he was alone, and his dad had a briefcase, you know, with some secret documents that were being hid by his his uh, uncle. He discovered the, the documents and the glasses, and he, he put the glasses on, his dad's glasses on. And when I saw that in the movie, I said, the Spirit just said to me that he had his daddy's glasses on, and that's what you and I have. We have daddy's glasses. We can see what daddy saw. It was an awesome symbolism in the movie because he was trying to understand what his dad saw. His dad came up with this theory and he was trying to see, so he put his dad's glasses on when he was going through the documents. I thought it was so cool. And that's what you and I have. When we read the scripture, when we look at life, just remember you have your daddy's glasses. You can see like he sees. And if you are here today and you're not a believer and you haven't really made that step of faith in Jesus and you're here for whatever reason, you can borrow our glasses. You can borrow our glasses at any time and uh, see what we see and hopefully you'll believe also. It's pretty awesome. Okay, three huge lies. The first, well, first let me say this. Paul said that we should not think it strange that Satan himself is able to transform himself into an angel of light and his ministers, ministers of righteousness. See, right off the bat, that seems weird to the natural mind that Satan can be uh, something that looks like light and his ministers, ministers of righteousness. I mean, wouldn't his ministers be ministers of sin? No, Paul says... And Jesus said, be wise as a serpent, but harmless as a dove. In other words, understand the schemes and strategies of the enemy. The, the enemy is, is really into religion, really into religion. His ministers can be ministers of righteousness. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean that Satan's, Satan's choice of weapon primary choice of weapon against you and I is the law. It's the law of righteousness. 
the law of righteousness. That's his first weapon of choice. And that's why the Lord in Colossians, it says the Lord actually disarmed the principalities and powers. He disarmed the powers of darkness because he nailed to the cross in Colossians. He nailed to the cross the laws and the certificate that we could not keep, the rules that we could not keep. He nailed it to the cross. He put it out of the way. So he disarmed them and took that ability to condemn you out of their hands. See, I, I really believe that the big, one of the big lies about the law is that it is helpful for you to be more righteous. That's the big lie. That the law is helpful for you to be more righteous. The satanic secret is this. The satanic secret is this. It's not some secret you would think, you know, about, you know, sin or flesh. No, no, it's, it's much more subtle than that. The satanic secret is this, that Satan wants you and I to try to keep God's laws so we might be righteous. That's it. That is the huge satanic secret that he wants you to try to keep God's laws that you might be righteous. God's secret is God's secret is that he's trying to get you and I to see that he has already kept all the laws through Jesus, that you might be righteous. They both can't be true. But you see how subtle that is? I mean, it sounds good. Try to keep God's laws to be righteous. And it's the to be righteous part that is the lie. Because what Jesus did when he came and fulfilled all righteousness, and he became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him, he gave us his own righteousness as a gift. You cannot add to that. You can't take away from that. The scripture says, he who has received this abundant grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Christ Jesus. So this gift of righteousness is marred. It's diluted. It's confused when you add the law to it, when you add this concept that if you obey commandments, then somehow that makes you a little bit better or more righteous or more acceptable to God. Paul said, when this, when this lie came to the Galatian church, Paul said, we, we, when this law came, when this uh, teaching came to Galatia about the law, about believing in Jesus, but also keeping the law to be righteous, Paul said, we didn't submit ourselves to that teaching for one hour. Not for one hour. What we have to see, saints, is this use of the law is satanic. It's satanic. Paul says, Paul says, you're, you and I are supposed to live our life as, we're, as if we're dead to sin. He uses the same phrase about the law. He says, live your life as if you're dead to the law. Same phrase. Dead to sin, dead to the law. The use of the law or the thinking in our heads that is put in our heads that we can somehow add to our righteousness by doing good deeds and being a good person is satanic. It is satanic. That's why in Jude 9... The scripture says that Satan tried to get the body of Moses, Jude verse 9. And God dispatched Michael, the archangel Michael, to stop him from getting the body of Moses. This is huge. This is a big deal. 
This is a big deal. Satan wanted the body of Moses, and we get a clue as to why he wanted the body of Moses. Because in Deuteronomy 34, 6, it says, God himself buried Moses in a place where no man knows. That's the clue. God did not want man to know where the tomb of Moses was. But Satan did. It was big. He wanted Moses' body. Why, did he think, why do you think he wanted Moses' body? Can you imagine? Yes. Can you imagine a shrine to Moses? Can you imagine the tourist attraction? Can you imagine through centuries all these people flowing into the shrine of Moses? Can you imagine the Ten Commandments on stones high above and this beautiful tomb and shrine magnifying the law? Moses, the lawgiver, God's man. All three major religions recognize Moses Christianity, Judaism, Islam recognized Moses as a prophet. It had been a home run for Satan. He wanted the body of Moses bad. He wanted to exalt the law. He wanted to enshrine the law and make the law the glorious. When Paul said in Romans, I mean in Corinthians, Paul says in Corinthians that the law has no more glory in it. That the glory is not in the law. The glory is in the gift of righteousness that is in Jesus only. And he wanted to enshrine this thing because if he glorifies the law, he binds you to earth. He binds you to this realm. If you think in terms of doing good to be righteous, you are bound to this realm. But if you see that you are already righteous in him and seated with him in heavenly places, you're no longer of this realm. He wants to bind you to what is seen and not what is unseen. He doesn't want you to see with the glasses of your daddy to see what, he, what God has done in Christ. He wanted the body of Moses. I love that drama. You know, you had these three archangels, Michael, the warring angel, and Lucifer. He was called Lucifer because he was called the shiny one, the bright one. And then you had Gabriel, the three archangels, and Gabriel was the messenger with his third of the angels. Michael was the warring angel with his third of the angels and Lucifer with his third of the angels. And so God sent Michael to what battle with Lucifer over this body. And when he sent him, he sent him with his name, with the Lord's name. He said, I don't rebuke you, Lucifer. They were, they were equal. They were equal in power and rank. Michael could not rebuke an equal ranked archangel. He knew it. Lucifer wanted it. His brother angel wanted it. And God sent Michael to rebuke him in his name. He says, the Lord rebuke you, Mike, uh, uh, Lucifer. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. Isn't that awesome? I love this drama, this unseen reality of angels and God moving on our behalf to keep us, to shield us from the works of the enemy. He wanted the body of Moses so he could exalt the law. I just heard a, just as a side note, I just heard a book, new book just came out. This ex-FBI agent was dispatched to the site of Flight 23 that crashed into the open field back during 9-11. And she was there three hours after the flight crashed in this open field. And I think it was in Pennsylvania, I believe. And she said she, she went to the site three hours after it happened, and she saw angels everywhere. She said she didn't tell anybody for two years. She thought they'd think she was crazy. She saw She walked into the field, and there were shining angels, glimmering angels walking in the field everywhere, everywhere. And she wrote a book about it. Two years later, she told her, one of her FBI cohorts, and he said, I know her. She's not crazy. She saw it. 
Angels, angels, angels. God is with us. Elijah said, open their eyes. Open my servant's eyes that he might see that there are more with us than with them. I love that. There's more with us than with them. The power of God. The unseen realm. But anyway, that's the reality is Satan wanted the body of Moses so he could glorify the law. But the scripture says that there was a veil over the face of Moses when he spoke to Israel because his face was fading. And he didn't take the veil off because they could see his face was fading. And Paul says this is like it is in the new covenant. In the reading of the old covenant to this very day, Paul says, a veil remains over the heart of those who think the law has glory. They don't know that behind the veil, Moses' face is not shining anymore. And so they read the Old Covenant. And I believe, saints, it says, Paul says, in the reading of the Old Covenant, the veil remains over the heart and minds of those who think the law is all that stuff. That the law is the way to righteousness. That the law is important to be righteous. I think the key is Paul's phrase, in the reading of the Old Covenant. Because in the reading of it, you have a certain verb tense. You have a certain structure of the sentence that says, if you do this, I will do that. If you do this, I will do that. But Paul says that the righteousness, which is by faith, does not speak like that. You have to actually reword Old Covenant wording or you'd miss the truth of the finished work of Christ. So if you continually read in the synagogue or read the Old Covenant words as they are without any translation in Christ, it reinforces the veil over the minds and the hearts of those who think that the law is the way to be righteous. You see that? You see that? That's why Paul said that Paul said in Romans 10, he said, Moses said, when he blessed the people, he said, you have the law. Don't say who shall go to heaven to get the law. You have it. And don't say who shall go to the depths of the sea to, have the, to get the law. You have it. It's even in your mouth and in your heart to do it. Obey. Obey. Don't say you don't have the law. Don't say who shall go to the heavens and get it and go down to the sea to get it. You have it. Paul takes that in Romans 10, quoting Deuteronomy 30. And says, but the righteousness which is of faith does not speak like that. He changes the words of Moses and says, this is how you should read it now in Christ. Which is this. Do not say you don't have righteousness because Christ has come from above. Do not say who shall bring up Christ from the dead. For he has been raised from the dead. For this word, this word, this word of faith, this word is in your mouth and in your heart. That if you would believe, you, uh, you shall be righteous. You see it? So he takes the, right, the words of Moses and changes it and says, but this is how it speaks in faith, by grace. See? And if, we don't, if, you, don't see, if you don't see things through the, the glasses of your daddy, then you will still think the face of Moses is still shining behind that veil. And it's not. And that's why the scripture says, when, he turns, when we turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. And we shall see two things. We shall see, number one, Moses' face is not shining. And number two, we'll see the glory of God in the face of Christ. That's all in that same chapter. And then we, too, realize that, oh, my God, as I'm looking at the glory of God in the face of Christ... Paul said, it's like you're looking 
in a mirror. What? Paul said, when you are looking at the glory of God in the face of Christ, it's like you're looking in a mirror. Because as he is, so are you in this world. He has made us like himself by an act of creation, the new creation. No longer are we trying to be righteous. No longer are we trying to be good people. No longer are we trying to to do in order to be. We have not believed the satanic lie. And we have believed God's secret that he's already kept the law for us through Christ. Amen. Okay, second lie. Second lie has to do with a definition of grace. A definition of grace. There's, it, I say it this way. It comes in two flavors. The first flavor is where we're more, more familiar with, I think, and that's the, the teaching that says grace, God's favor, God's blessing comes to us only through faith in Jesus alone, plus good works, plus good works. This is similar to the first lie, but it's a little bit different because the first lie has to do with looking at the law itself as something glorious, something to magnify, something to, to, uh, to really uh, focus on, as opposed to how Paul taught it when he said, the law is good, but it's not for the righteous. Uh, Paul says there are those who want to be teachers of the law, knowing this, not knowing this first, that the law is not for the righteous. Um, the scripture says that we know whatever the law says, it says it to those who are under the law. And we're not under the law, but under grace. So over and over, Paul talks about the law is not for us. So the first lie has to do with this lie about glorifying the law. But the second lie about grace has to do with the definition of grace that, that is said that only by your good works can you add, or obedience to commandments can you add to what God did, that you might access this grace of God. That's the first flavor of this false definition, I believe. It comes under the heading sometimes of lordship salvation. You may have read something about lordship salvation. Lordship salvation is a teaching that says that you can't just um, claim Jesus as your savior. He, he must also be your lord, and he's not your lord if you're not obedient in everything you do. So basically by that wording, you put people back under the law, and the, script, the truth is the Holy Spirit works in us, and gradually we bear more and more fruit, 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold, And there's a journey with God where our mind is renewed. And as the years go by, we are expressing more and more of his lordship and his life in us. But it doesn't happen overnight. So that, that distortion of grace has caused many to lose heart. Thinking that they could never be saved or never do enough or never be good enough. Okay. Another flavor of a distortion on the definition of grace, I believe, that's out there is a teaching that says the definition of grace includes, includes a gift of faith also. In other words, God actually believes for the believer that even your faith is not your faith. It's God's faith. That that's the real definition of grace. That grace includes the gift of faith. So that your, belie- your believing is not your believing. It's God believing through you. The problem with this is huge. Because along with that teaching is that only a few select get this gift. Only the elect get this gift of faith. And everybody else is out of it. Because God gives it, according to this teaching, 
by a sovereign act of regeneration, he regenerates people as he wills. And then after he regenerates them, then they have the ability to believe. It goes under the name of Reformed theology, Calvinism. It's the whole teaching that faith is given by God and you have no choice in the matter. What it is, really, is pagan fatalism. It's pagan fatalism that's disguised as an intellectual stimulating view of Scripture. It's intellectually stimulating the way it's, appro- way, it's, way it's presented. The problem with it is that it, it's, it's not for everybody. It's just for the elect. There's a lot of problems with it, actually, because, well, that's a whole other message. But, but that's, that's something really important to see, that faith is not God believing through you, for, for you. The truth is this. God has given every human being the gift, every human being the gift of the ability to believe. Every human being has been given the gift of the ability to believe. Animals do not believe. Birds don't believe. Fish don't believe. Plants don't believe. That's a mark of of us being made in His image. We have the ability to believe. God calls those things that be not as though they are. That's how it works in us too. Faith works that way in a human being too. We, we believe things we don't see all the time. We're made that way. We're humans. Animals have instincts. They, they respond to stimulus. They can learn things. In their DNA, they have God has put in their DNA when the geese are to migrate and fly and where they're supposed to fly. It's awesome. It's all instinct. They don't believe. They don't believe. Men can believe. Every human being has the ability to believe. It's not a matter of a person, you believe stuff all the time as a human being. We believe things all the time. If, I mean, you would be, would you be like, you would be so nervous right now if you didn't believe your car was going to start after this meeting. Or you would be really nervous if you thought that chair was not going to hold you up. If you didn't believe the chair was, could hold you up. You're not even thinking about the chair. You're not even thinking about the car starting. Why? Because you believe Human beings believe all all the time. So it's not a matter of belief. We put too much emphasis on faith. Faith is not the issue. It's not faith. Our faith is not in faith. Our faith is in God. So what happens is an unbeliever who is darkened in their understanding, Scripture says in, in Ephesians, darkened in their understanding, excluded or alienated from the life of God, what happens to that unbeliever is that when the truth comes, darkened in their understanding, light comes. See, you don't need life to believe. You don't need to be regenerated to believe. We don't need life, new life, to believe. We need light to believe. We need to hear light, the truth, see? How shall they believe? If they haven't heard, how shall they hear unless someone preach? How shall they preach unless they be sent, see? It's a matter of hearing the word of truth. Faith comes by hearing the word of Christ. So when we're in our darkened understanding as an unbeliever, the truth comes to us. It's like light. Light comes into us. And we choose to believe or not believe. Ephesians said, chapter 1 of Ephesians, Paul says, after listening, after listening to the word of truth, the word of your salvation, and also believing, you were then afterwards sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. That's the order. We listen we believe or not believe, if we believe, we get, we get the gift of the Holy Spirit because our faith is considered righteousness before God, and therefore he can join himself to us. Isn't that awesome? He doesn't do it the other way around. He doesn't join himself to an unbeliever and then make him believe. No. The scripture says, 
while you have the light, believe in the light, that you might become the children of the light. See? The light is moving among men. And, God, and Jesus is saying, while you have the light, while you're hearing this truth, believe it. Believe it. You who are darkened in your understanding, you who are excluded from the life of God, while you have the light, believe it, that you might become the children of God. Because if you believe it, to you is given the right to become the children of God. Isn't that awesome? It's so clear and so simple. And what's so great about it? It's for everybody. Everybody, anybody can be saved. And that's what the scripture teaches. That whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. They can hear. Jesus himself said that the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and live. Yes, the spiritually dead can hear. The spiritually dead can see. The spiritually dead can do all those things. But only through the agency of the word, the truth, the revelation coming through those who are preached, who are speaking it, who have been sent. By the power of the Holy Spirit, the light comes in and opens up the eyes. The scripture says, by the entrance of thy word, Lord, cometh light. Through the entrance of thy word cometh light. So that in the darkness of the unregenerate mind, the revelation comes and they have a choice to believe it or not believe it. If they believe it, the miracle happens and they're created new. That's so awesome. I just love that. So that's the big second lie about grace. Third lie. Let's go to the third lie. Third lie. The third lie has to do with aliens. Aliens. How does this lie about aliens affect our faith in God? Well, like somebody said, this lie about aliens on other worlds has been incubating for decades. It's been incubating for decades. And it has to do with the lie that says that God did not create us but some alien culture engineered us millions of years ago when they visited our planet. And one day they're either going to come back and see how we've evolved or else we will create a ship to go see them. Much like the movie Contact when Jodie Foster in that movie, man reached a place where they could decipher this code that was being sent and they were able to construct this apparatus which should let them time travel and move through a hole in the universe so she volunteered to be in that vehicle and she was able to go through that wormhole if you, if you saw the movie contact she got to the other side and saw this civilization she saw this beautiful civilization and she in tears said they should have sent a poet it's beautiful it's beautiful strong delusion is coming saints strong delusion and the youth are the ones that will swallow it if they're not careful. Strong delusion is coming that we were created by some alien culture. It's in every book, magazine, movie, sitcom. It's everywhere. You're being set up. You're being set up. In the movie Prometheus, that's out now in the theaters, Prometheus, there's a scene in Prometheus where... Now they're, they're being more bold in their, in their agenda. In Prometheus, there's a scene where one of the girls has a cross on her neck and the robotic android says to her when they find their alleged creators in another realm, another planet, the android looks to her and says, I guess we'll be getting rid of that, the cross. And she says... No, 
but not very convincingly. And then um, later in the movie, there's a scene where she talks about, we found our creators, we found our creators. These are the, this must be the race that created us. We found these markings in the caves back on earth and then it led us to, to them. And then the android says, how can you dismiss all the evidence of, of Darwinism and evolution and you're just going to dismiss all that evidence of Darwinism? You're going to leave evolution and, and go with the alien theory? That... And she said something like, I don't need evidence. I choose. I choose to believe. Man, you could hear the serpent. You could hear the serpent in that movie. Bill and Tammy saw it last night. It's just so blatant. Now, what they're doing, they're joining issues. They're joining, they're joining the, the two things now, blatantly. Before it was subtle, for, before it was like a nice little E.T. Now it's Prometheus. Get rid of the cross. You can choose to believe this. You don't have to have evidence. And the youth are sitting in the theater just taking it in. Yeah, I can just choose to believe in the alien culture is my origin. I don't have to have evidence. It's a lot more hip than the Darwinism evolution stuff. Yeah, it's more hip. I believe. I believe. I choose to believe there's an alien culture that started this whole race. And one day we're going to find them. Are they going to come back to us? Strong delusion is coming on the body. Not on the body of Christ, but on the world. But it could affect the body of Christ. The scripture says it will be so strong in the end days, last days, that, even, that if, it were, if it were possible, even the elect would be deceived. Even the, the chosen, even those who have believed would be deceived if it were possible. But it's not possible. That's how strong it's going to be. I've often thought about what if someone, I think it would be a cool movie to make, to expose this lie would be cool to do something like make a movie where a bunch of billionaires got together and said, you know, a bunch of atheist billionaires, and they said, you know, religion is the problem of this world. This religion causes wars. It causes instability. It messes up all our finances. And why don't we, why don't we get our money together and, and cause the biggest hoax to ever happen on planet Earth, the largest, biggest hoax ever, ever, ever portrayed on planet Earth. Why don't we create a spaceship Build it secretly, have it leave the atmosphere of the earth and enter in light of all the cameras. Why don't we have them speak to us briefly and tell us they are our children, that we are their children or something like that and have them skirt away into the universe and then explode and blow it up out in the universe when there's no evidence. I mean, it's just me thinking. <laughs> but wouldn't that be an awesome movie? Sort of like Star Chamber, you know, where they had the group, you know, that the, the, the guys that wanted to get these, the murderers that got off in court, and they had this Star Chamber of millionaires that met, and they had these files on these different murderers that got off in court, and they, they took care of them, you know. But, but some, something like that, I can just see that, a, a, a movie like that. And that, that would be so cool to expose the lie, because that could happen. I mean, I don't know, that could happen. I mean, what, what would you do? If on news, breaking news, breaking, breaking news, alert. We don't know what this is, but it's approaching Earth. It's big. And all these people that thought aliens were our creators, they start saying, I told you so, I told you so, I told you so. See, see, see? 
And as it comes into the atmosphere, this beautiful shimmering object, without their knowledge, designed by scientists on Earth who are part of the scam, comes in briefly, says a few things, in some way translating, <laughs> make it look impressive, and take off. Never, never to be seen again. Biggest hoax in the history of the world. What would that do to you? What would that do to a lot of your friends? What would that do to those who are teetering on whether believing or not? It might just push them over to not believe. You see? Something like that. We've been conditioned for that kind of thinking for decades. The older generation won't buy it, but the younger generation? For decades, the younger generation, they've been conditioned. They've been prepared for this, for this way of thinking that we came from some alien culture. Strong delusion. Paul says in Thessalonians that in the latter years, in the latter days, strong delusion will come upon the earth. And those who did not receive the love from the truth shall believe a lie. Shall believe a lie. Shall believe a lie. And notice how Paul says it. He doesn't say those who don't love the truth. He says, those who did not receive the love that comes from the truth of the finished work of Christ. He says, those who refuse to receive this love that, that, that is given as a revelation of what Jesus did, they who harden their heart to this love will believe a lie. Thessalonians, last days, strong delusion. I don't know if the strong delusion is going to be the aliens or, or the strong delusion is going to be some other thing. It could be several things. But we do know that strong delusion is coming if we don't receive the love that has come to us in Christ. The scripture says, keep yourself in the love of God. Pray in the spirit and keep yourself in the love of God. I pray that our neighbors will hear what we have to say about his love so that they won't believe that lie. Professing to be wise, they have become fools, God says. Professing to be wise, they have become fools. Well, I just want to share those thoughts this morning about, I think there's huge lies, huge lies about how Satan wants to glorify the law, how grace, the definition of grace can be distorted and added to, to where it is no, no more real grace. And this thing about aliens that seeks to destroy simple faith in Jesus. We're to be wise as serpents, but harmless as doves. Wise as serpents, but harmless as doves. Let's stand.